There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Move Your Mind. My name's Nick Brax, and this is a podcast where we have real conversations with real people and give real advice. On today's episode, I want to welcome Dr. Stan Rodsky. Stan is a cognitive neuroscientist who previously practiced as a registered psychologist for over 30 years. His current work as the chief neuroscientist for the Think Group has led to his development of innovative technologies and programs across Australia and internationally for individuals, peak performance sports teams, and companies listed in the world's top 500 who are looking for creative brain-based initiatives to facilitate corporate success. All right, Stan, so the work you do is fascinating. You've had a very varied experience. You've done so many different things, and I'm really excited to chat to you about all of these different topics that come up. But um, first of all, can you um, just give me a brief background on who you are, what you do, how you came to you know, do what you do now? Thanks, Nick, for having me. And I'm very happy, as you know, to talk to people who are working in this mental health area, um, which, of course, has been the background of me for nearly 40 years. So that gives you a sense of just um, how long I've been doing this, um, perhaps a bit too long, but we'll see how we, <laughs> how, how we progress through, through the process. Um, originally, in those 40 years, I've worked for most of that time as a psychologist. And the main reason for that being that for most of that time, for most of those years, the area in which I was originally trained in the neurosciences was really not a science that it was practical outside of a hospital or a research lab. And so only since probably 2000 um, has all of the science that makes a person like me who is now working as a cognitive neuroscientist, all of this science has allowed people like me to work outside of that and apply what we're doing and thinking to the world of mental health. And I guess the question around what is a cognitive neuroscientist or, or psychologist is that um, I liken it, and with respect to any of my colleagues who don't see themselves this way, um, a plumber and an electrician of the brain. So mm. I'm interested in the pipes, the taps, the fluids, the circuit board that operates away in this um, brain of ours connecting with our whole body because the brain is connected to the whole body via the central nervous system, even though at a biological level, there's a so-called wall between the body and the brain. But the reality of it is that this world of pipes and taps and fluids and circuit boards is that our brain operates to keep us in balance. Mm -hmm. And everything that you've been working on in since you've moved into this world of thinking about mental health and mental function and outcomes and is all about how, how we respond to this environment, if you like, how this air conditioning system of ours 
I'll use the metaphor of an air conditioner, um, is probably a, you know, for me, as a neuroscientist, I'm most interested in how the brain operates when it's particularly under pressure. Because you don't really think, you know, you're sitting at home right now, you probably, maybe the air conditioning heating system's on and it's keeping the place at 22 degrees or whatever you like to sit in. But when it's 50 degrees outside, then your system seems to then really come under pressure. Then it's the, you know, you versus the system. And the system's just trying to keep everything in balance. And that's what our brain's trying to do. So my work is all around that, that world of how can we ensure this system can handle those pressures? Because you've got to serve yeah. it. You've got to maintain it. That's what you've been doing. You've been helping people you know, and I did for most of my career is help people service it. Mm. You know, like mm. I'm now, I don't know why my system's not working at the moment. You know, I feel very low or I'm very anxious or I'm, I'm breaking out, you know, yeah. you know, I'm continually unable to feel positive or energized or I sleep 20 hours and I still feel tired. You know, the system is not working properly. Yeah, I lo look, I love that explanation, and um, it really like fits into the whole um, the importance of you know the preventative giving practical you know really looking at how can we create like you're saying that rock solid sort of foundation so that when we are tested that we can cope because what seems to happen a lot of the time is it's really not until we are tested and that we break down or something bad happens. And we go into turmoil and then we get help, but then we wait again until it happens again down the track rather than, you know, while, while we're stable, while we're clear, you know, the same way, like what your analogy is, if we, you know, with our car, um, if our car is operating at 60%, we're probably going to take it to a mechanic and do that preventative care on it. Yet we don't do it for our mind. So, Correct. yeah. yeah. And, yeah. And, and we do it in some ways. We do it mm. consciously, um, you know, like, that's again taking my my analogy around the or metaphor around the air conditioning. You know, we some days we have to turn it up or down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because because we just know we have to do that. Um, but the reality of it is that that's not always. It, it, sometimes it just doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and 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 that's because the system has to be resilient. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and and for me, this whole world that we're talking about this mechanism which is our conscious system our world which we can say we'll turn it up or down we'll we'll go for a run we'll we'll eat the right things we'll, we you know these are all you know they, they this is good this is maintaining the system yeah. but there are also circuits in the system you know there are parts that may be wearing out or need to be replaced or need to be tweaked a little bit you know maintained and they're the subconscious system yeah, and this is why I'm fascinated about having this conversation with you because the other parts get talked about a lot. These parts don't get as much attention. So Correct. I want to, yeah. Once around, it says, oh, it's a bit hot out there. I better cool down. I'm feeling a little bit pressured here for too long, but now my internal system, my biological system is not responding. I'm My vagal nerve, which is my vagal or vagus nerve in, in this whole system, has not responded. It isn't calming me down. Why is it not? It should be on 23 degrees, but it's at 27. Why is mm. it not coming back? 
even though I've, yeah. gone, I've gone even lower, I've put it on 18. <laughs> you know, you know, just to, but it still hasn't done anything. And that's the world of the cognitive neuroscience. It's, it's not the central nervous system, which is looking at the external, but it's, looking, it's the autonomic nervous system, which looks at the internal. Yeah. It's trying to balance, and here we go, let's throw some big words in. Um, it's trying to go into homeostasis. Yeah. Homeostasis is for our body keeping us at our normal body temperature. That's homeostasis. As you get pushed out of that, as you get hot consciously, you take your jumper off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or or you, have yeah. A, you have a drink. But subconsciously, it sweats. My body's too hot. So you sweat. You didn't ask your body to do that. I haven't found anyone in my 40-year career who's been able to will themselves to sweat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd have been saying that. Who, who would want to anyway? But, but um, my point is yeah. there are a whole bunch of subconscious automatic responses to the world that we're in. And some of them are well-known like sweat, but some of them are, are not known but are increasingly getting known, which is the links between the immune system, for example, and depression. Yeah. So they're, they're actually, you know, we're finding now there's some really interesting neuroscience going on where, where we're bridging that body-brain. You know, sure, there's all these reasons I could be and should be depressed. You know, I've just been given a sentence of osteoarthritis, you know, and my life now is going to be crumpled limbs, torso turning over, pain, horror. Why wouldn't I be depressed? But, but what if the answer is, though, it's not that behavioural aspect, but what if it's your immune system's reaction to the arthritis mm. that causes that? So, so this whole, you know, that's why I brought you in on my analogy of the, of the air conditioning system. You know, there's got, you know, sometimes it will react in a certain way, which we, we don't expect, but we think it's because of that, but it might be actually something else. And, mm -hmm. and that's where the, the research is going on. That's why we're looking at, you know, we, we try and shift this system with drugs. Yeah, but there's a lot of science going on outside of the drugs. We you try to use a lot of behavioural things. We we try to do very good things, you know, in um, cognitive behavioural therapies, which I know you talk about in your programs or that, yep. or you've come across, you know, which yep. is which are very good process, you know, because they're breaking down the thinking, but it's really behavioural. It's behavioural trying to cross over into the cognitive, break the thinking down, you know, sort of understand that once you start thinking negatively, it just gets more negative. Um, yeah, um, yeah. But the cognitive science says, but why? <laughs> why, why? Interesting, yeah. Why does it do that? Mm, why, mm. Uh, um, why should the, what is the reason for us to, in fact, respond to these situations in the way we do? And of course, um, depending on how deep you want to go in this conversation, Nick, and I don't want to bore your listeners to death, but um, <laughs> um, the deeper part of the answer to the why is um, obviously a Darwin answer. You know, well, 
I would like to explore it with you if we if we um, can fit in fit it into the this session. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I won't. I won't. Yeah, that will take us down another rabbit hole. <laughs> no, thank you for that explanation. Um, so you're the you're the chief neuroscientist of the Think Group. Can you tell us about the Think Group? Yeah, sure. So so the Think Group operates to bring the science that we're producing in in our laboratory to the world. So. There's so much going on in neuroscience, so much development, so many different areas. A lot of it's locked away in universities, and but we're not mm. working in the university framework. We're, we're able to bring technology that was a, you, know, you could only really get in a university or hospital environment into our own environment. I mean, the, the room across the halls got filled <laughs> with the sort of technology that allows us to do all of the brainwave monitoring, the the MRI stuff now, we can do it in lifetime. And, and the whole idea of the mm. site is to bring those ideas into the world and talked about, and, and, we're, and we're also producing things in those areas, ranging from um, funny little things like talking about colouring in. You know, in our, you know, that was in our lab. You know, we, we, we actually discovered while we had um, clients with anxiety or depression problems hooked up to um, um, MRIs and, well, up to all sorts of machines and trying to stay, you know, trying to stabilise their reactions to things like anxiety, depression, all sorts of things. Um, what, was, what would happen if you suddenly started colouring and colouring in a certain way? You can imagine our reaction when you suddenly see the brain um, go from being, you know, quite excited and, and, and bubbling away, you know, in, a, in an anxious, you know, young client, 14 years old, agoraphobia, disabling, medications no longer working. And suddenly, yeah. while colouring, you're watching their, their, their brain shift from this highly anxious state to a, to a relaxed one. And you say, well, that's... That's quite amazing. That's fascinating. And yeah, yeah. And, and of course, it's science wrapped around a lot of other things that have been going on. It, mm. All of a sudden you realise what you're doing is focusing, paying attention, breathing in a way in which you're now breathing slowly, deeply. Your breath out is longer than your breath in, and which is the whole purpose of regulating the system. And you go... Yeah. The brain's really happy with this. It's fascinating because it's um and look it's it, it's really relevant to me at the moment. I've been doing a lot of breath work and um what I've found, you know, anxiety what, what you're talking about. The the crazy thing is a lot of it it's how we react in that moment, but then if we get caught in that negative thought process and ruminate, it'll become a bigger and bigger problem, but it the brain can only focus on so much at once. So if you can stop it in its tracks, you know, do things like the deep breathing, refocus your mind onto something else. It, I guess that is, it's putting the brain in such a focused state that when you're colouring in, you don't have time to think about anything else and you, your mind has no choice other than to come move into a more calm state. Well, that, that's absolutely correct. And, and so here all of a sudden was a way in which, you know, we, we then... Because I... 
I mean, it needed to be for an adult audience, but it also needed to follow brain principles for me because it's an amazing organ, the brain, you know, three pounds of spaghetti bolognese in white sauce with an electrical rug, you know, blanket thrown over it. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, but, but, it's, but you know what? At its core, it, it's pretty simple. You know, it, it, it wants to conserve its energy between sleep. You know, it, 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 wants to, it wants to do things which ensure the physics. See, the, the, we tend to think it works on this behavioural level, but at its core, it works on physics. You woke up this morning, Nick, and it's now managing your energy levels until it perceives you need to go back to sleep again. To, to replenish mm. itself. And, and in doing so, it actually sets up the way it manages its energy. It's conscious. You're consciously using it now. You're talking to me. You're asking questions. You're thinking about my answers. You're wondering whether we're going to fit all this in. All the content. But subconsciously, it's also doing what it always does. It's looking for patterns. And it finds patterns in repetitions because repetitions lead to patterns and patterns lead to easy energy saving networks. Mm. <laughs> like, like it's going to leave you with more energy when it needs it for when you have to think about what to do if the dog starts barking. You know, like, oh, what am I, you know. That, that's... Which we both had the problem of before, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. Well, well, mine wanted to go out and have a pee, but yeah. That's yeah. right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, banged away at the door. But, but there, there you go. And so, so think of that in the context of everything that we're talking here. If it's an energy system, the colouring actually creates an environment in which if it's repetitive and creates a pattern and it's the other thing the brain will feel comfortable with and use less energy is if it, if it feels it's in control. So yep. by colouring between the lines, you feel in control. So there you go, the three. Repetition leading to pattern within some sort of controlled environment. That's the colouring. I love, but the, you know, if you break, like what you're talking about there, if you break that down, that is going into so many incredibly effective tools to, to help, you know, controls another one. And, um, you know, right now with this, um, what's going on in the world, there's not a lot we can control. So if we focus on that side of it, we will go. Five minutes, 10 minutes, you're, you're yeah. literally creating a mindful state. Yeah. Particularly if you're someone who has difficulty um, just closing eyes or stopping for a moment to concentrate mm -hmm. on breathing. Many, many people um, have trouble with that side of mindfulness or meditation. Can't imagine the number of executives and people that I used to see in the practice in Burke Street that, oh my. Can't turn their mind off, yeah. Can, you know, I cannot, you know, now, of course, that's negative self-talk and you could say, well, look, you can, we've just got to change the thinking. Let's get all behavioral and change that around. But the well, fact of the matter is yeah. the brain's got a pattern. It, it doesn't like to close, you know, it, it takes you actually a lot of energy for some people to close their eyes and stop and focus on relaxing for five minutes, believe it or not. So Yeah, so, yeah. So, so you've got to, so this created a world in which we could, um, the colouring books idea um, came out of the lab and actually helped us with people who don't like to close their eyes. Yeah. 
I've got my hands busy, <laughs> you know, I, I'm colouring, then, then that allows me to, I can do my breathing, you know, I can start this. Because remember, we've always got to tell our brain what we want to do. Even you, you, you know, if you're doing your relaxation breathing, remember, you've got to remember to tell your brain that you want it to relax now. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't know why you're doing that. Exactly. <laughs> you know, you may have trained yeah. it enough to know. But yeah. for many people starting who, who try to engage in it, they've actually got to continually tell their brain, right, I am going to relax now for the next 10 minutes or 20 minutes or half an hour, or whatever it is. Until it becomes more of a conditioned thing, I guess. Yeah, which... And why is it conditioned? Because the brain is looking for a pattern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which a pattern from repetition because you've now mm-hmm. got to do it every day. Yeah. That's the thing that I'm really the biggest, you know, believer in and I advocate for all the time, you know, creating habits because it it's like what you're saying, you know, I, I have an incredibly active mind and I thought I would never be able to meditate and I've been doing it for almost ten years now, but it was incredibly difficult. And if I look at anything that, you know, I've stuck to and people that I've worked with, whenever they change that behavior, it's not because they're naturally suited to doing it. It's often incredibly hard. You're reprogramming, you know, these stories and habits that have been in our life for as long as we can remember. But if you can have the discipline to change it, then it becomes a more automated process. And, you know, you can... That's the trick, isn't it? Yeah, that's the trick. Because nine out of 10, will not pursue it. They won't do it. Nine out of ten, were, were, having started, yeah. will not go on. Agree. And so would one you... or two sessions and, and they cannot get it embedded into their brain into a significant enough repetition pattern for them to think, oh, I need to do it today. And would you say one of the main reasons they don't stick to that is the discomfort and fear or it's just the lack of knowledge about how beneficial it could be or I guess it's a range of things. So, yeah. Let's head back to the physics. Yeah. I'm a cognitive guy. You know? Yeah. And, and if you're a behavioural person, you might be wanting to have an argument with me about this. But for me, the physics are the brain is not carrying out some judgment process of, gee, I really want to do that or I don't want to do that. Yeah simply looking at its energy levels and you need to repeat it enough to create a pattern in it for it to remember to do it. Yeah. And it will then do it because, you know, it's actually given it a little bit of a gem. It's given it a little bit of relaxation. It gave it a little, Oh, that feels better. Yes. It isn't enough in itself. You know, it actually has to be repeated. And, and in the lab, we've been working on that, if I can move on just for a moment. Please, no, I'm, yeah, interested to hear this. That really bothered me. And, and for me, it then became a matter of I need to, at this physics of the brain level, um, I need to engage with more of the components that the brain is considering. Now, what I mean by that is, we have five senses. Yeah. Now, people mm-hmm. argue the six senses emotion. Let, let's put that. <laughs> let's put that. Uh, again, there's another rabbit hole for you and I to go down. Let, we might have to. We might have to do a series of ten conversations here. <laughs> Maybe. So, so let's let's put that rabbit hole aside. But let's go with the five senses. Yeah. So, so the only 
way you get into the brain is through the senses. You know, and I'm talking the brain, not the mind. You know, you can sit there and think about things, but I'm talking about actually engaging various parts of the brain to do things is through the senses. And, and when we're colouring, we tend to use two. So, so we use sight and we use touch. Yeah, we, we, yeah. We, 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 we've got a pen or a pencil, a, um, a marker, whatever we're using, a crayon, and we're, and, and we're using two senses. Um, but the issue for me was that that's not enough senses to actually engage enough of the brain to create a behaviour that we're looking for, I mean, repetitively done by most. Because as you yeah. know, mindfulness classes, for example, in mindfulness classes, eight out of 10 that start the class that are males do not finish it. Five mm. out of 10 of the females finish. That's the research. Yeah, well, there you go. And they yeah. get their money, <laughs> you, know, you know, for their four-day sojourn to Bali or maybe downtown Geelong, I don't know, wherever they've, they've set up, the, you know, a hut and, and meditation <laughs> and mindfulness, which I think is brilliant, by the way. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a great way to do things. And I've written a whole book about, obviously, the science behind that. But my point here is that for all of that, to get this repetition, to get it, we need as many senses. And so in the lab, um, we actually looked at, well, how can we engage the other ones? What are we missing? So, so, yeah. so, so we really wanted, how can we get taste, smell and sound in a way that we could um, holistically you know, smother the brain in this activity so that we'd come back and do it. Because that's my, my issue, you know, as a cognitive is, I want people to come back. Yeah. You know, it was a great idea at the time, but how do we get them back? Yeah, yeah. We make this repetitive. And so um, the smell and taste were easy. You know, you just need to go and pop a peppermint tea bag or a, or a vanilla or, or a chamomile or anything into a um, cup of hot water, take the aroma in, just touch it onto your taste buds and your brain goes, Phew. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's relaxing, yeah? Yeah, for sure. Imagine then you've got that cup and you've got that um, taste and smell. You've also now got your colouring book out. And mm. you're colouring, you know, you've told yourself you want to relax. You've, you've set your colouring up so that, you know, you take a nice deep breath and a longer breath out and you just relax yourself into it, yeah? Because you're a person who doesn't want to go and sit on the couch and, you know, you, or you find it difficult to close your eyes. I'm, a, I'm not dissuading, you know, the meditation is fantastic. I'm just looking at other, other ways that people can approach this. Um, but what about sound? Mental health and well-being are real issues in the construction industry. Men in construction are twice as likely to take their own life compared to the ones who work in other industries. And that's just not good enough. With John Holland's help, we want to make a change. We've joined together to have honest conversations about mental health, life and stories of people who have overcome challenges. When we hear about stories and struggles that sound a bit like ours, we can learn from each other and remember that we're not alone. Now we know music helps yeah so you put your earphones on and you put your favorite music on but what we found is 
um, it doesn't actually change the brainwaves because, because those other things actually change brainwaves. You know, we, we know that by sitting there and colouring, you know, you, you're actually stimulating an alpha brainwave, a brainwave that is going to be relaxing. When you're yeah. smelling the tea and tasting that, that, that fragrant tea, that's, you know, supporting an alpha brainwave. You know, that's around the 10, 10, 10 cycles per second in the brain, which is, you know, it has the, that's what you're doing when you meditate. You know, you get it into that sort of space. And, of mm. course, the, the really deep meditators can go down so low that it's like when we're in a deep sleep. But, yeah. uh, again, another rabbit hole. Um, uh, exactly exactly <laughs> uh, in, in the process but what about so if it's not the music and what we we got into the lab and what we discovered was that if i go into this ear at one level of hertz let's for just an example sake and i talk about this on the website um, mm -hmm. um if i go into this ear at say 200 hertz which is the measurement yeah, that's the sound waves going in. But I mean sounds. I don't mean music. You know, there are all sorts of tones and basses and, you know, trebles. You know, these are sounds, yeah? They don't hurt you. Yeah. We go in the other ear at 180. I'm just picking two numbers, but they're different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We worked out what those numbers should be. What we discovered was that those two, those sound waves at different frequencies cause what's called a biurnal beat. In other words, it actually beats in such a way that the, the brain waves, which are different to sound waves, um, actually come down. And so you actually deliver wow. an alpha wave. Isn't mm. that crazy? So, That's crazy. Uh, so my example of this was I had a, a friend, a, a, well, friend and a work colleague up in Queensland with a daughter who he could, has so much, been, she's 11 going on 30, but she, she'd been coming home of re, recent times and she'd been crying. You know, she, he'd come through the door, he's a managing director, a big company, but, mm. you know, and, and she was crying, Daddy, I'm upset, you know, life, life's terrible. He was worried about her, he didn't understand, you know, because they um, she, they thought maybe because she was, a, you know, sort of quite pubescent, you know, she's a bit bigger, you know, maybe she was being bullied, you know. And, you know. Yep. She was clearly anxious and he was worried about her. And, and anyway, I said, look, we've been playing around with, with a little bit more technology because he'd been using the colouring books and they were good and, you know, it was great to yeah. still feeling pretty miserable, you know, more anxious than miserable. And so I said, well, look, i tell you what, Pop this technology. So, so you just load it on your phone. It's as easy as that. 10 minutes, 20 minutes or 30 minutes. And pop on the earphones. You must have earphones or, or plugs because you need the sounds going in at different levels. Um, and just you and her do that for 20 minutes a day. Yeah. And, you know, when she gets home from work, say, look, or from school, just pop it in. Um, do it together so she knows you're not just sort of <laughs> flinging stuff at her. And um, anyway, he rang me up a week later and, and it was wonderful because he said, look, I go for a bike ride with my son who's a little bit older than the girl. He, she's 
he's 14 or something. And we go for a bike ride. And I've got to tell you, just between you and me, I would never invite her on a bike ride. All I would get is whinging and whining. And, and you know, he was, he's just being honest. Yeah. He was yeah. just saying, you know, she, she wouldn't want to go. She's miserable. She'd start crying. And he said, look, yeah. there's been so much change with her in one week. She's coming on the bike ride with us on Saturday. Wow. It's a major. And that's great. That's fantastic, yeah. That's the science of what we're trying to do here. You know, we're, and, and so, so think about that for a moment. You know, mm, mm. We can sort of create a relaxation space here where, where you can say, you know, pop the earphones on, do the colouring, smell and taste the tea. You're hitting every sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so that, that's an example of where, where this sort of science is taking us. Um, in this sort of, you know, practical application place. We, we, we've got all of the other working on algorithms around um, because of the computational neurosciences around predictions and predictive behaviours um, with um, artificial intelligence. But again, probably another rabbit hole. <laughs> and I had, that, I had that written down amongst many things that I wanted to ask you about. But yeah, it might, might be another rabbit hole for another time. But what I love about what you're saying here is you know, mindfulness in these different areas. These are really big topics now. They're talked about. And we know in a pretty broad level some things we can do for it. But I feel like what you're talking about, it's the missing link because this is the problem I find in a lot of the work I do. Uh, yes, there's a knowledge about it. And yes, people know what would be good for them. But how do you get people to actually go and you know, commit to making that change. And you're, you're, you know, you're offering us some much more practical solutions around that because that's the hard part about it. It's not, you know, the information's there in general, but how do we navigate and find things that everyone, and everyone's different, everyone's going to respond differently and have, you know, how do we get that mass sort of change happening? Sure. And, and I think that's, that's it. Look, I can tell you, I used um, meditation. And I, I, again, I write about this in the book and, um, but these were they, these were new areas 35, 40 years ago. I can tell yeah, you, this yeah. was the world of the mystics. You know, if I talked to clients about it, it was like, "Where's your caftan and candles?" <laughs> you know, exactly. You're coming from the the other world, and of course, these things now are part of our parlance. They're part of our world now. But there's also, but they're still a part of our brain that still looks for the, yeah, I get it. You know, you, I understand people do this and it works, but I just don't seem to get it, you know. And it mm -hmm. worries me that eight or nine out of ten still just don't get it. And But what they need is a bit of, you know, because we're now a very science-based world, yeah, so, which, which is not a bad thing, but it can also be not a good thing either <laughs> um, at times, you know. But, it, but this is a, you know, I hope that in talking with you, people see that some of these things that we're doing that are out there actually are based in science. The science is actually now showing that these, why these things work, or maybe mm -hmm. more importantly, how these things work, the why is that other rabbit hole, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we, you know uh, we, which would be another discussion. But at least we can yeah. see how they work. And because we know how they work, we can go, you know what? If you're someone who can and has learnt and, and regularly meditates and uses mindfulness, fantastic. 
Mm-hmm. If you're someone coming into it, maybe you could be supported with some of this stuff that talks about the science, you know, shows you how to do that. And you could, you could eventually move into another area because the science could help you establish the behavior. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, look, and that's, yeah. And I think a lot of people need to be explained that, that meditation, mindfulness, these different areas, this doesn't mean that to do it, you have to go and, you know, disappear, uh, climb a mountain. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. We've got your book, The the Neuroscience of Mindfulness. That's the a- whole point of the discussion. Anyone listening to this, uh, I highly recommend you go and buy. Uh, where, where can we send people to go and buy your books? You've got a few of them. So we've got The Neuroscience of Mindfulness. Where, how, how do they buy these? That's an Amazon anywhere. That's, yep. and, and it's in, I actually uh, have it out in audio. So, and I... Um, and I talk to that through. So, so oh, great. They'll, they'll get me talking through that. So they can get it in bookshops and they can get the book in on, online really, really quite easily. The colouring books, um, they can go to, to my site, um, uh, thethinkgroup.com, or um, they can go um, and look at the whole range of books there at colortation.com. Um, as well great so so there there are places they can go but those websites they can find all that stuff there and a few different areas yeah and some more science and some where the where the audio where the um sound science stuff is you know the, the that actually is another discussion again i think to to explain how the just on that exactly exactly that's these are all very you know um in-depth topics that we could you know go into um on another another session but no so plenty of resources there and i think right now is a really important time where um these tools that you have are needed but also people have the time you know right now to be able to hopefully try and explore this side in more detail and and try and you know find a method that could work for them because we've you know we're faced with a very unusual situation right now which is i mean we've don't have too much time left but that's probably the next thing i you know, want to go into just asking you in this time, you know, this is something that none of us have ever dealt with before. Um, there's a huge amount of anxiety, uncertainty, um, et cetera. You know, what, what, what's some simple advice we can give to, uh, the everyday person to, to try and, you know, cope with what's going on. Yes. Look, I think that, um, in a, in a, firstly, a, a broad view, um, I think that we need to, look at this anxiety depression sort of world in a certain way and I I look at that as a spectrum in itself. Um, In my years of practice um, I would often you know I would often think where are you in terms of are you anxious about getting depressed or are you depressed about being anxious? Mm, That's interesting that's interesting. So so you can almost which is which is the GP or psychiatrist dilemma, because do I focus my meds at you in you know, at at, a, at the depression or the anxiety? Yeah, which you know, often over the years, I can remember the doctors that uh, the medical doctors that worked with me in the practice would I would often look to see which way they would go, you know, because they were trying to pick where you were on that spectrum, and I think the world today is a little bit like that spectrum. I think. While the whole thing was an unknown, we were at the anxious end of the spectrum. Yeah, yeah. As it becomes more known, 
as we begin to realise, oh, my goodness, my business, my job, my life um, is now changed or not changed, depending on your circumstances. But for the majority of people, I think it's changed and not necessarily to the better. But, mm-hmm. and, and, but even then, it's more likely that, that being forced into this change, then we're going to shift from this world of feeling anxious to a world of feeling perhaps sad at the very least melancholy or even at the worst depressed yeah because you know there's a loss here now you know there's the loss of my which is which at remember when i was talking about depression earlier there's 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 this understandable level as in my arthritis example you know there's an understandable why wouldn't you be depressed if you've just been given an osteoarthritis diagnosis and and you can already feel it in your fingers and your limbs and the pain you know there's that part but there's also the 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 more subconscious or unconscious factors that are going to lead to that so so what are the answers to that yeah 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 so so for me um um it's very much about being able to step outside of that the meditation mindfulness um the technologies that people like that you know we're getting really smart at this you know you you one, you don't no longer have to take a half an hour to get to your class or your session or whatever, and then half an hour. You know, now you can do it on your computer. Now you can, yep. a, you know, a lot of learning. But there's a lot of things that we can do to, to um, help ourselves here. And I think that's a, a core. We've got to, um, in the face of all of this, take, a, take that at least 10 minutes maybe 30 minutes a day just to to let our brain come back into homeostasis mm-hmm. i'd like to finish on see see the issue for us is that a little bit like a we're like a tree on a on a on a, a windswept cliff you ever seen a picture of those and they're bent the tree started off going up straight that's us in homeostasis yep. But as the winds of the sea push it every day, it starts to bend over. Mm. It doesn't die, but it's bent. And in our world of science, that's called allostasis. In other words, you get pushed a bit further, but you bounce back a little bit. But you don't Mm. bounce right back. Right, right. This world that we're in now, many of us are not in... Home, you know, if you're young enough and, and, and you, you're resilient enough, you'll bounce back, yeah? Mm, mm. But what about for most of us whose tree is on that cliff, you know, yeah. over in the wind? And we don't want this wind to be the final one to knock you onto the ground, yeah? Yeah, yeah. We, we, we're not going to bounce back to being like we were when we were 10, <laughs> but, but, but we want to be able to bounce back enough so that we don't fall totally over. And to do that, we've got to look after ourselves. We've got to make sure that we take that, that 10, 20, 30 minutes off. And, and if that's difficult to remember, then we've got to set up repetitions so that we get patterns and we feel in control. And that would be my, my, my answer to your question. I love that. And, 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 you know, there's no reason why we can't be bouncing back to that because I think, you know, it's we've been taught in society that um, we need to base our self-worth and happiness off external things. And that is just so dangerous because there's going to be good and bad things that happen. And, 
this is an extreme example right now and what you know what you were just talking about but this is doesn't matter even if things go perfectly right now at some point it is impossible for things to always externally be going how we would like them to go so sometimes that poor old tree gets really whacked with, it gets uh, whacked with the mother of all <laughs> storms yeah absolutely absolutely every day yeah. storms that hit it every day um, yeah because um, i love the analogy for that you know it's like life yeah there's you there's that tree and 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 this allostasis is for most of us the world you know where we're we're not in homeostasis we're not in perfect balance but we are in balance for us yeah exactly it and that's all that matters yeah and with the things that have happened in our lives with whatever the winds are that have been in, and right now we we've, we've got one mother of a storm whacked us yeah yeah exactly and i love what you just said there as well because um in balance for what is right for us and i know you know speaking from personal experience what mistakes i made in the past was from comparison you're always looking at other people oh but they're doing this and they're coping this and this and this and that and number one we don't know what's going on behind the scenes but number two what works for someone else may not work for me and really it takes doing you know understanding yourself and as you're saying before with mindfulness and these different areas for one person it might be you know exercise is one huge thing it might be um you know i i pursue acting acting for me when you're performing, I love it because you're, it's mindfulness. You know, you're in the moment. All that exists in the world when you're performing is the conversation between the two people. Um, so it could be anything for anyone, but it's it's sort of having that un- open-minded understanding about it. Yes. And that's that if you take the word allostasis and your listeners are most welcome to look that up. Yeah. But allostasis is about allostatic load. There you go. The load is huge at the moment yeah outside of our normal load yeah yeah and and that's where the difference what you're quite rightly saying you know stop comparing because even though there is a homeostatic point yeah which is the norm for the norm um the the reality is we all have a bent tree to the extent of the allostatic load that we've experienced yeah yeah absolutely that's it and and we've just got to bounce away as best we can in that world that's where yeah. we are yeah and i think this that's a great way to you know finish up on this and look i i think we could probably go and on many different tangents and talk for another you know couple of hours about so many different areas of this and i'd love to eventually have you back on here but this has been really really i've really enjoyed this chat i feel like the listeners are going to get a lot of value out of it um, before we finish, I, I just have these five sort of quick fire questions that I, so yeah, pressure's on here, you know, like, um, <laughs> Check my allostatic load. Exactly. I'm trying to, I'm trying to tip your, you, you know, your, your branch down. I'm trying to push you, push you over. <laughs> As I said, my allostatic load is now up. No, these aren't designed to make you stressed, but um, we just like to finish up with a few final questions and, you know, simple one line, whatever comes in your mind. But um, the first one is what's your, or that comes to mind, best childhood memory? Hmm, I think uh, mum and dad picnics. Perfect. We've actually had a lot of those. This, this is what I love about asking these at the end. We've had so many people, I, I reckon more than half have been saying, something to do with, you know, a family get-together or an outing, or which is really nice, isn't it? It's the simple things. 
Um, what do you feel like is the biggest burden on mental health in society today? Um, burden in what? In in what sense? Sorry. Um, burden in, for example, you know what I would. My answer to that would be something like I think social media is a huge issue in in many ways in how we're you know consuming content and etc. Oh yeah, um, phones. Phones. Okay. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think it's a pretty big, big one, isn't it? <laughs> Look, I, I do a lot of lecturing on sleep around the country at the universities, and the, the, my my biggest message to all of the um, young people that I talk to in those lectures is um, um, get out the thing that's causing you the most grief for your sleep, and it's their phone. Yep. Sleep's another topic we could talk about, by the way. <laughs> a- absolutely. Okay, um, where do you see mental health in 10 years' time in society? Um, I I think that we will have a much um, broader range of tools which have a mind-body relationship. In other words, for example, um, the less use of drugs and the more use of technology. I love that. That's that's. I hope that happens too. Yeah, that's it's going on now. We just got yep. to work our way through the pharmaceutical industries mm. um, um, base because yeah. anything that threatens them, big money. Yeah, exactly. It's sort of that's a, a big problem, isn't it? Consumerism. We you know it gets in the way of actually doing what's going to. Nothing against the drugs. No, they're they're important in a lot of areas, but we you know apart from Prozac, which which was accidental and is not generalised enough in its application, is the only development in the last 40 years we've seen, the only one in the wow. area, and yet we're consumed by drugs. So I've got a real issue with that. Well, there's another topic for us. I think we're going to, um, yeah, we're going to need a bit of time to get through all of these. <laughs> so, so over at That's Monash a big University, one. using magnetic resonance, um, pro, you know, magnetic tools to spin the brain's neurons into... They're, they're getting amazing results at extinguishing things like depression and not just until they find that comes back, but I mean extinguishing. Yeah, well, that's... Two more. Um, what's, what's your personal definition of happiness? Well, of course, you're asking the wrong person because that whole thing about what happiness is is another topic again. But that's kind of what I mean by it as well. You know, like the word happiness is misinterpreted, isn't it? It's sort of look. It it is. It is. It is um, fleeting, situational feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And. Today it might be this and tomorrow it might be that. Um, The fact of the matter is, if I go back into my cognitive world, you know, um, it's for most of us, every day is good as long as we're in in balance, in homeostasis. We just, you know, we're, we're neither happy nor sad. We're just us. Exactly, exactly. Happiness for me is a momentary, a moment, an event in the moment of you know, receiving something, a gift, doing this, you know, it, it, it's wonderful. And then it fleets away, you know, it's fleeting. That's the problem. We're, we've been taught that, you know, we're meant to aspire for happiness from external things, whereas really what we should have been taught is happiness should mean 
being okay with internally working on ourselves and being able to you know see the ups and downs for what they are enjoy the ups accept the downs but it it is like you're saying it's that that sort of level that we should be just always operating at that we're okay regardless you know look it's so philosophical (laughs) you know and 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 another another big one to break down isn't it so biological because it's because because it cannot be generalized yeah (laughs) it's it's a big one individual and it has so much um in the depths of consciousness understanding Absolutely. Well, final one here. Um, what is the most courageous thing you have ever done? Uh, the most courageous thing I've ever done. That's a good one, isn't it? I'd, I'd have to say um, it's involve my children, you know, and, and letting go. Letting go, that's a, yeah, that's the hardest thing, isn't it? Letting go, that's a, a huge one. You know, and I think, you know, you don't want to call yourself that, but I think it's, it is courageous when you go, you say, okay, this is what you want to do. Good. I think letting go is one of the hardest, you know, most courageous things anyone could, I'm still working on that, you know, letting go and not trying to control everything, that's tough, but that's, that's you know, that's how you find peace. And I think that's where I found that most pointed yeah great answers and stan thank you so much for chat i've really enjoyed this chat it's been you know i'd love to yeah no i really appreciate it i think there's going to be a lot of value out of this so i can't thank you enough for coming on here mate and making the time no problem at all catch you next time this episode of move your mind was produced and edited by tim boozer would like to thank john holland for proudly sponsoring this episode thanks to stan rodsky for joining me today for move your mind Join me, Nick Brax, in Mental Health Masterclass, where you can access cinema-quality essential mental health education from world-leading experts anytime, anywhere. Each 12- to 15-minute module comes with comprehensive workbooks and a range of printable books with optional tasks, behaviour change tools, information, and guidance to create healthy, preventative long-term habits. Go to courses.nickbrax.com to enrol, or simply go to nickbrax.com and click on the Mental Health Masterclass icon. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.